Let's be pros. Let's Whoa. be pros about this. My bad. Pros before hoes. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Craig Moorhead. And I'm Sean Harwell, and this is the show where we catch up on the movies that have fallen through all of our cracks. Yes. And we have an extra crack today. We do. With us, Brian Crane from our Uncle podcast. What's your podcast? I forget. That's I, fine. I think Snackish of Little Something. The Little, the weird. Petite, yeah. Le Petite Snack. But hey, guys. It's good Hi, to see Brian. You. Hi. Oh, we're glad to have you here today to there talk about uh, our movie, uh, which is called The Comfort of Strangers uh, from 1990. Sean, what was it about? 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 Uh, this movie, Craig, was about, and I'm reading the synopsis from Google, an Italian diplomat's son, played by Christopher Walken, follows and seduces mm. English lovers, Rupert Everett and Natasha Richardson, in Venice, Italy. That's, that's is that really what it was about? <laughs> Uh, that's, that's very tip of the iceberg of what it's about. Okay. Yeah. Now, Brian, were you the one who suggested the movie? Yes, it was me. I, I got to suggest this one. This was a, a book I'd read back in 08 by a famed author, Ian McEwen. And what else has he written? Uh, he's written books like Atonement, which is probably his most famous one. Enduring Love, yeah. which was a novel I read of his back in uh, Saturday in school. Saturday. He did write Saturday. Sure. Um, Friday. And, he didn't and, Friday. and Friday he wrote the film adaptation. Of Friday. Oh, yes. no, he did do that. Didn't realize that he's he's going for the full seven days. Sure, of the sure, week, sure. You know, that sort makes of sense. The, the cycle, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. But apparently, he's had kind of a falling off in you know critical acclaim since really Atonement. But this was uh, an awesome, really tightly done, very slim novel that I was like, I found out there was a movie about it. Like, holy cow! But it was nowhere to be found. What whatever. You know, outlets were available to me that time. Did not have that movie, so I I knew you guys were doing this. You guys were awesome at finding movies. I threw it out there, and boom! Like twenty minutes later, the movie is in my hands. So well, and we should say though, it's not the easiest one to find. There was a little bit of digging. Craig is good at finding these things, a little bit, but uh, yes. yeah, I'm I was surprised too because this is directed by Paul Schrader. Um, it was adapted by Harold Pinter. Noted playwright himself yes. and screenwriter. Nobel Prize um, Yes. Mm. Filmed by Dante Spinotti. I mean, the people involved are kind of amazing for it not to yeah. have yeah. ever been on my radar whatsoever. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, also Christopher Walken, Helen Mirren. And, yeah. and, and music, which was really good by Angelo, oh. Angelo Badalamenti. Yes. Right? Uh, it was did, great. Uh, it was fantastic. Holy Smoke. Our yeah. very first podcast. It, yeah. Did the music for that. Oh, and of really? course, Twin yep. Peaks. Yes. Yeah, that's how I Yeah, that's how I know too. So yeah, it's just like kind of this... this a hidden would-be gem mm-hmm. uh, with all these talented people and like why haven't I heard about this movie? So would-be gem. Sean, was it a gem? I I definitely enjoyed it. I didn't have much of an expectation at all even despite the fact of I've read Atonement. I think I read Enduring Love. Definitely saw both adaptations enjoyed them. Mm. I know Paul Schrader's directorial work a little bit. Yeah. I saw some, what was that crazy movie he did? Atonement? Uh, no. I mean, not, not Atonement, uh, Affliction. No, I have seen that and enjoyed that. It was Mishima. You ever seen that? No. It's a very weird Japanese-inspired thing that he did. So I wasn't sure where this would land on the scope yeah. of between Art House or if it was a period piece or right. what. So I don't, I don't even know that I brought any expectations other than I expect it to appeal to sort of an adult crowd mm. and hit those yes. sort of high right. drama marks. And I think it did that really well in the execution level. No clue what I'm supposed to take away from this. Yeah. And I will say, before we get too far ahead of us, 
Brian, you also wrote a really interesting blog article about the book, I think when you read it. Yeah. Almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. We'll put a link up to that as well, because reading that after watching this, I was like, oh, your takeaway from the book sounds very familiar to my takeaway from the movie, okay. at least. And we can get into that a little bit about how it differs, but it sounds on the surface, at least from reading that, that the adaptation was at least somewhat faithful to the book. Yeah. Which then makes me even more curious <laughs> about, and I do feel like you know, literary fiction in particular, yeah. usually short fiction, can get away with some of the ambiguity mm. or finding, as you do in this movie, a sharp right turn at the end right. that leaves you scratching your head a little bit about that takeaway. Yeah, and that's what happened with me. Other than that, I liked the performances. I thought yeah. they were cool. Yeah. The setting is great. The camera work is beautiful. I mean, like, I really felt like I could have watched that opening without any of those credits. They were distracting me from the fact of, like, where the camera is just moving slowly through this lavish apartment, and it looks amazing. Mm. Um, so that was my sort of general thing. I appreciate the craftsmanship a lot. Not sure about thematic stuff, which we can talk about a little bit. Craig, you knew nothing about this going in, right? Other than I that. didn't know, I didn't know anything. I had read, not read the book. I didn't know it existed. Mm -hmm. Honestly, my takeaway was I didn't ever believe a second of it. <laughs> there was nothing yeah. in it. Are you I mean, there was to? Well, that's a good okay. question. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it, that's what I've been trying to kind of parse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't believe a second of any of the acting, and not, not even not even talking about motivations or what people are saying to each other. It's just like. I literally just the performances were like I'm watching a movie. I'm not mm -hmm. being brought in. The things that are happening are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. The reactions to the things that are happening are unbelievable. I just I never I could never get my head around exactly where I was supposed to be. I I'll right. agree with you. It's beautiful looking. Some some casting is better than others, but in general, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very professionally put together movie. But I was yeah, I mean, I I was as I feel lost at the beginning of that movie, as I was in that last scene. <laughs> oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> and not, not even like, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, you, you know there's some sort of menace going on. You know there's yes. some sort of thing going on under the surface. And it makes enough sense when it happens. You're like, okay, so this was kind of what was happening, I guess. But, but again, if, if you weren't taken in during the rest of the proceedings, then it kind of loses some oomph yeah. at the end, I guess. And I, I think, you know, just for a general plot synopsis to get into the meat of the movie it is about this couple they are not married they have been together for several years she has children but they are not rupert everett's children correct that's right and it i think you find out later they sort of came to italy and there's a weird bit about the fact they were just there like three years prior <laughs> right so it's not even a good vacation yeah, yeah. and it's not like <laughs> and she, she's, she's ready to leave. they don't know why yeah why did why did we come again yeah like, five days early she's ready to leave but it, i think they sort of came to decide whether or not they're going to get married or mm -hmm. continue this relationship. And one of the things that I liked about it early on that maybe clued me into the fact that, okay, we're not exactly in the real world here, is there is a good bit of city exploring going on by them walking around. And I felt like I'm looking at Venice and it's empty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it looks not almost just, like a back lot or something. Yeah, not just the nighttime stuff, but even yeah. during the day, it's like there's just no people around. Like, I don't... My knowledge of Venice does not <laughs> correlate to what I was seeing. And so I was like, okay, is there something else being shown here? And then you get that sort of like sense of dread. Like occasionally you see walking in the distance 
you can't even make out his face just for a split second. You yeah. get the you know early on they're being watched right. and mm-hmm. then photographed. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think I wrote down it's it's almost 17, 18, 20 minutes before you see Walken or Mirren's faces. Yes. And then it's just Walken when he has that introduction. But yes, yeah, so they meet Christopher Walken one night looking for food. And he's just there being him, his weird self <laughs> yeah. in a very white suit. Yes. And very forward introduces himself to them, says, I know where you can get food, follow me. And then even within that, like, they walk to this place that he's taking them to, and you're th- through the back alleys of, of Venice. There was, like, a three-minute transition there. Like, it doesn't just yeah. cut to them at the restaurant. It's like no. walking in real time. No, and, like, yeah. there was, like, okay, is he going to kill them? Like, what bad right. thing is going to happen here? And halfway through that, and I think that's one of the places, and I, and I realize, you know, I, I maybe need to be a little more charitable. You don't have to. I, I don't have to, but I mean, you know, if, <laughs> if I want to enjoy uh, movies, at some point I have to let, yeah. let the movie do what it wants to do, and then I, you know, I kind of go along with it. But, but it was, you know, halfway through this walking, I mean, here's the thing. If I'm walking through Venice with my wife, and Christopher Walken comes up to us, but of course it's not really Christopher Walken, it's some Italian guy. Yeah. But, uh, and then he says, I know a place we can eat. Our first, uh, our first reaction would probably be, "Oh, cool, this local guy will tell us." And then halfway through that walk, we'll be like, "No, <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't right. going well." We'll, well find right. it ourselves. Yeah. Like, thanks for the name. <laughs> yeah, no, he wants to literally hold their hands and take them there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so you yeah, would so, not have gone on that journey. So, with him. so again, yeah, like that journey would okay. have been cut short. Yes, mainly because like my wife would have been already hungry. And she'd be like, Craig, fuck this girl. I, I gotta eat right now. Like, I don't care. Because then when they get there, there's, there's no, no goddamn food. Yeah, oh, this this wine is very nourishing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, yeah, right. Kyung would have been just like smashing yeah. bottles. And they had breadsticks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's one of those, that's just an example of one of the blocks that I kind of had as I went okay. through. Well, let's talk to Brian for a second about that opening, getting to the point of meeting walking, because you knew from the book yeah. what to expect. And so, how did that. Were you more anticipatory of getting to that moment? Yeah, I, that, that was okay. the, that was the moment I was you were waiting for. Right. It's like everything before that is setting up the the couple, and they're they're sort of I think by design a bit bland. Yes, you know, not terribly interesting, but the, which sort of matches the city, which I think Ian McEwen despises. <laughs> Ian McEwen, I feel like has has been to Venice at least once and has never had returned time. because he had a very bad time. Yeah. So he's setting the stage for this sort of, you know, uh, play of horrors to happen out. And and so that moment when Robert appears and tries to, you know, get them to come to his bar, like, I want to see how that happened. And I thought that played out really well, but it was it was funny, though. You know, he's wearing this white suit, which is kind of, you know, kind of tacky a little bit. But what was funny was I, I had reread the book and, and the... What he was actually wearing was a um, a tight fitting black semi transparent shirt, a V neck to the waist, full hairy chest <laughs> in display with a little um, a, a straight razor medallion hanging from from his chest, which would send anybody running yeah, away. Yeah, right. I'd be less likely to follow him than the guy in the white suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the movie uh, credits Giorgio Armani with being involved yes. in the costuming of the yes I mean, up front in yeah, the main titles. Name. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. He, he made it into that. Yeah. So I thought that the white suit was a real step up for like, for oh, <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, Woo. exactly. But one thing I was sort of struck by in the movie was how uh, it was really sort of a, a disadvertisement, I guess, against courtesy. Because every time um, when they should have run for their lives, yes, um, what, what 
makes them go further or what makes them do the wrong thing is this reliance on being courtesy. I don't want to be rude. Let's be polite and that sort of thing. And sure. I think like, like two or three separate times where they could have just said, you know what? No, thanks. No, what? No, no, thanks. And for whatever reason, you know, Christopher Walken, you know, Robert's character, you know, he's just very, you know, gratiating and, you know, he knows exactly kind of what he has to say to, to sort of prey upon their natural courtesy and off they go. And it was, and I was like, it, it, I think that's even more prevalent in, in the movie. And then at the end, that, that, that moment when Helen Mirren is waving to them, I mean, that, there, is, there is nothing forcing them up there yeah. other than this feeling like, oh, they saw us, oh, they're going to be really upset. Yeah. Now, are you saying that was in the book as well? Like that I, I don't, of, I don't recall okay. that aspect of it being as as prevalent in the book. In, in the book, playing I, on the courtesy, playing on the yeah. courtesy, because that feels but, like a, a critique of like maybe that's like the British sensibility. To, yeah, to be overly polite, right? Like, you know, exactly. And then and then so doing, are are, are murdered by the <laughs> Italian culture, which is so you know ingratiating. <laughs> yes. and, yeah, you know, come on. So, what are so you I saying, Ian? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like how how much of an indictment of. Uh, is it just of Venice? Is it all of Italy? Is it all of you know Italian culture that he he was so despising of? But it's just it's well, a hate letter to Venice. It's well, let's talk then about that story that Robert tells when they get to the bar. You want me to do that? <laughs> Would you really like me to do that? What? Shall I do that? All right, all right. My father was a very big man. All his life, he wore a black mustache. When it turned gray. He used a little brush to keep it black, such as ladies use for their eyes. Mascara. Everyone was afraid of him. My mother and my four sisters. Uh, at the dining table, you could not speak unless spoken to first by my father, but he loved me. I was his favorite. Because, mm. A, that's my favorite, movie, uh, favorite moment of the movie. Definitely. But that also says a lot, I think, about this particular branch of Italian culture, perhaps. Yeah. And it's a story that we heard in voiceover a little bit at the very opening. Mm -hmm. But Robert sits down and like they, they are talking and basically the question becomes, how did you meet your wife? Who we find out is a Canadian diplomat or she was the daughter of a Canadian diplomat. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so he tells this very long, I mean, it, it's probably in the movie, I mean, it's got to be at least over five minutes straight yeah, monologue. Absolutely. And what I loved about it was within like 30 seconds of it, the camera started moving away from walking to other patrons in the bar and it just it looked amazing but it's basically a story about his father was a very large big man uh, both i think uh, emotionally and physically um, same as a grandfather and you get the sense that they sort of ruled over their family mm -hmm. in a very typical patriarchal mm -hmm. physical and violent way i guess right. and so Walken very clearly has fashioned himself in that model. Yeah. And you find out to what degree later on. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know if that's like a bit stereotypical of what maybe we assume of right. like an Italian culture, even just from like thinking of The Godfather. But I don't know. But like, what did you think of that moment? Because I mean, I, I thought Walken just killed it. He does tells it brilliantly, but but what's funny is, is Harold Pinter must have checked out then because he just... I mean that's that that speech in almost in its entirety is exactly from from the novel and it, and it is a brilliant story. It's so evocative. You you see it as he's saying it, mm -hmm. but um, it's horrific though because it involves yeah. like his sisters like locking him in his father's study when he desperately was like drunk and had to pee and poop. right right right. Yeah. So he ruined his father's beloved library. And it's like his father use, him. uses him against his sisters in one instance, and then his sisters 
use their father really as a tool against their brother to get him back because right. there's always looming over everything this man with such you know violent potentiality and and it's that sort of persona that Robert has uh, taken in and begun he, he worships let's talk about Rupert Everett for a little bit mm. because I stepped back for a moment watching this and was thinking good god they they have called him beautiful yeah like 16 times in this movie yeah. uh, the women and the men both and then you know in conversation later on you know I think Walken comes out and calls him like a communist poof yeah and so I don't know I, I never had the sense of I don't know what he does like it seemed like he was sent like maybe a galley of a novel that he's supposed to read there's some manuscript oh. in yeah. the opening tell that what. somebody's calling. He's like, Simon, I'm on vacation. I haven't read it yet. It's terrible. It's unreadable. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, what's, his, what's his job? For some reason, I was thinking he was an actor or something, but well, I Well, never... because she is. Yeah, his wife yeah. is Mary, um, the Natasha Richardson character. But, yeah, I wasn't sure. I feel like that would have come out in... Someone would have, might have recognized specifically him. Or, or with Robert. With yeah. Robert and his sure. wife, because they are, it turns out, basically stalking this yeah. guy yeah. Um, and infatuated with him. So, but I don't know. I don't know what he. Did. But at any rate, like he's not, despite the fact that he's cut, like he's been working out. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Sixteen days a week. It's not exactly a, a book editor. <laughs> yeah, type thing. no, he doesn't look like a writer. Right. Yeah, he's still not that. You don't get the sense that he's like a strong arm kind of no, guy. Not at all. Masculine no. man at all. Right. No. Um, which, in that sense, I thought it was really interesting casting. Well, now let me ask this. So, they go to Robert's bar. They hear the story, they drink a lot of wine, Natasha Richardson uh, barfs <laughs> everywhere. Disgusting <laughs> sounding barf. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Really awful Very sounding. juicy vomit <laughs> Into the sound. canal, by the way. Yeah. So just, yeah, don't go swimming. But uh, they, they sleep on the street, essentially, and Robert finds them the next morning, and then, is that when he, like, he, he insists they come insists. to the house yeah. and, you know, get some real sleep or something? Would you have done or, that? Hells no. <laughs> yes. Hell's enough. I think you would have heard enough from that previous night. Yeah. There's no way. Even even if I still thought he was a cool guy, you know, now my wife is sick yeah. in the streets. No, we I'm like, we're gonna to recuperate. Go to yeah. yeah, we need some space. But anyway, they go with him. They end up sleeping. They wake up. Their clothes are gone. Mm-hmm. Norm, totally norm. <laughs> yes. uh, anyway, so one of them puts on a robe and goes out and talks to Helen Mirren, <laughs> who tells them that she came in while they were sleeping. I hope you don't mind. But I came in while you were sleeping and sat and watched you for half an hour. Now, see, right there, yeah. no matter how courteous you are, yeah. to me, that is it. Yeah. Like, you're, you're checking out of your hotel, going across Venice, right. finding a different place. Yeah. Like, that was, that was kind of my... That was the big line that was too hard for me to believe yes. they were going to continue past that. Right. You guys? Well, and I, too, I think Marin played it, like... Like she's psycho. Like she's a great oh, age wacko. Yes. Yeah, and I mean like, she played it perfectly. Even that line, there's. I just sat there. It was like a half an hour. I just sat there, and I was just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, wait till. And like they are bothered by that. And yet, are they? Because I don't... thought that, I thought Natasha Richard was. I mean, I, I, it, it's and almost then, like she found it curious, and but yeah. not like, oh god, yeah. like you came in the room. Okay, and well let's, let's let's change. Okay. Let's do the chain of events here because it's all oh, interesting. Shit. Yeah. So that happens, and then basically. Helen Mirren has been instructed by Robert to not give them their clothes back until they agree to have dinner with him. Yeah. Because he's gone out to get wine or whatever. 
take care of business. <laughs> so they have no choice but say, okay, she gets to, gives him the keys, he goes gets the clothes out, and you know, there's some more interesting, weird, weird dialogue between uh, Helen Mirren and Tasha Richardson. They had their dinner with Christopher Walken, and like prior to that, I think, they go into this, the famed study where he's got all the mm. artifacts of his father, uh, grandfather, yeah. all this or whatever. There's some discussion. These books are the favorite literature of my father, my grandfather. All first editions. These are things my father used every day, small things. Your father seems to be uh, very important to you. My father and his father understood themselves clearly. They were men, and they were proud of their sex. Women understood them too. Now, women treat men like children because they can't take them seriously, but men, like my father, my grandfather, women took very seriously. There was no uncertainty, no confusion. So, this is a museum dedicated to the good old days. Walken turns, sucker punches him right in the stomach. Just a gut punch. It lasts a couple seconds, the scene does. They don't say anything. Then they go eat. Yeah. It doesn't come up in discussion there. There's no. obviously tension there, but yeah. he has yet to tell his wife. They go back to the hotel and proceed to have like sex like 16 yeah. times. <laughs> Somehow all of this translates just yeah. turned them on yes. so uh, so brilliantly. Yeah. And, and that that was my biggest problem. Like I understood, like that was well, what was supposed to happen, but I never saw it actually get there. Right. And to me, I thought, okay, this is where they're going to end up becoming like the Christopher Walken Helen Mirren character. Sure. Did not go that direction. No. 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 I, tr I tried to make yes. the mirror images, yes. and it, like it wasn't. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you are, you're waiting for him to just say, like, by the way. He punched him in the stomach <laughs> while you were in the other room. It's unusual. And it doesn't happen till much after that. And then even when that does come up, she says, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I don't know why. I mean, I, I, I sort of filled it in for myself. I just, okay. you know, like, like, you're in there and, and, and uh, do you want to make a big scene? You know, it's like, and, and especially where you're the person who's been struck and sort of humiliated by this much older guy. And and so I, I could sort of see why he's like uh, maybe let's just let's just play this out and we'll go and we'll never come back kind of right. thing. Not that I've I wouldn't have handled it that way, but I could I don't see know, how yeah, I wouldn't have. have said it in their apartment necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But the second we left <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He punched me in the stomach. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. He right. punched me in the stomach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah why that didn't exactly. you wanna, why didn't you say anything? Because I was afraid he's gonna punch me again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's gonna start okay. punching everybody. But right? it's like it seems like it's like a day and a half, two days later before he actually tells yeah. the Yeah, center, it's a long time. Which that I don't So here's yeah. a question. Yes. Is there any a, a lot of this again with the with uh, with the acting and the the way things are happening and the reactions at some point, I started thinking, is this some sort of, are we in like a dream state of some kind? Yeah. Because even the way they talk to each other, yes. and everything's very ADR'd, it's, it kind of seems like, so nothing no, really feels, well, it may, uh, maybe it's just a bad copy okay. that I was watching. No, I, think but, I think you're onto something. But, but I mean, there, there's something there that I was like, okay, you know, like when he comes walking out of the bedroom with, with like a sheet wrapped around him after she said that they, she's been watching the both of them, like I was writing down, like, is this like a penthouse letter? Yeah. <laughs> like no, <laughs> nothing in this. It, does, it has that sense. weird sort of like red shoes, like it could have gone in that red shoes right. diary direction. Like if, like if David diary. Lynch had done this yeah. or something, it would have been like, yeah, his, his erotic masterpiece. Yes. Um, well, that would have been something. Right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, but then, yeah, because I never saw the real trajectory to them 
just wanting to bone after that night. Yeah. It's almost like it would have been, it needed to be like Rupert punching that guy. And like having some sort of primal, like, he's been man- like yeah. now yeah. I'm manly or something. Or was it more of it. a thing where where he felt you know demasculated? He, right, sure. And so in order he to, needed to he, in order to reimpose himself and re yeah. reestablish as like no I'm a man I right. can still you know be manly that then that that was what powered him through this sort of you know and that's that's totally pl- yeah totally plausible. Was yeah. there anything though sort of violent about? Like I don't remember there being like like the them punch? them doing it. No, oh, no, but the like sex. Yeah, like the sex scene. No, no. Everyone was enjoying it. Yeah, it all seemed fine. Like it didn't seem angry or. It all seemed fine. Well, uh, I, I, I was certainly yeah, enjoying yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, there was no. Yeah, there, I, I didn't see any kind of note of that, but I, I feel like that was, you know, where Rupert Everett, Colin, and and Christopher Walken's character Robert really differed in that. One will super, you know, impose themselves as men and act in this way, and Colin will impose himself as a man and in this completely sure. normal, standard way. Um, That's a good point. Uh, you and your Colin, norms. Colin is not uh, psychotic, as we know that Robert was. Right. In the end. Right. There was a conversation that Mary and Colin had, I think, after like their first couple hours of having sex. They do go out and have like a, you know, a dinner at a cafe that night. And she just is like, no, everyone's looking at your thighs and your butt here. You know, yeah, it was like that. that. was a bizarre scene. Yeah, and then they have a different like, name for thighs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then he goes on and says, like, I want to build a machine that will have, you know, <laughs> basically screw you for years and years and years forever. And then that's just like the end of the scene. Yeah. And like, was that, do you remember that conversation being I in the book? Because I that to me felt that. like, okay, I can see this working in a novel in some ways where it's just, you take it out and you place it in the scene in the cafe and you're having to watch the actual people say that and right. you're just like there yeah I don't know this that is... all struck me as is quite new I mean, okay you know, yeah just based on my memory but it could also I, be a Schrader thing or, or, yeah. a, or a Harold Pincher thing you know? well you know what that reminded me of though was Punch Drunk Love yes uh, yeah. there's that bit where Adam Sandler is like like they've they've gone off on some romantic weekend mm-hmm. finally or something right and like the way he's talking to her he's like I just want to take a sledgehammer and like oh, yeah. so smash cute. your I face wanna, yeah. and all I can say is in that movie like it made sense. Like you, like it was a strange yeah. thing to say, but you right. knew how this guy was wired right, yeah. at that point. And you know, like so, even though it was kind of disturbing, like it, it definitely made sense. But yeah, the Rupert thing. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I finally they were horny machine. for each other. Yeah. So like yeah. that's a good thing, and like that's just where they're heads were at maybe but it was all it was weird that all the the, the men and women were all looking they didn't look like they were looking at Rupert Everett as though aroused they no. were looking at him like, like oh they were disturbed yeah, check yeah, out yeah. this guy who is this guy yeah I'm, I'm upset this guy's here and it was like they were completely oblivious to that sort of sure note and I was like I still don't know what that means yeah yeah yeah. you know and and, and sometimes I, I wonder because everyone seemed to know Robert yeah you know, to what extent did they know that what Robert was up to? It's like, oh, Robert doing his usual thing, like, cruising. Yeah, yeah. like, like, yeah, yeah. you know, is this just something that he does all the time? Yeah. Uh, it, it was just sort of a bizarre thing. I didn't, I didn't quite understand, you know, all of all of that. But I felt, I felt like um, they succeeded in making Venice very scary. Yeah, I mean, just like them walking around at night when no one's around. And the dead city aspect of things, I, I just thought like they they've captured that from the book because it, it there is this sort of dread and this gloom that's just pervasive, and there's that dreamlike quality to the whole thing because yeah. he never says the word Venice at one time in the whole book. 
Oh yeah, you never know that it's exactly Venice or that it's even really Italy. It's like they, they an unnamed city in Italy with canals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so but but it kind of adds a, that if there's no specificity, then it's like it could be really anywhere. Yeah, and and that kind of gives another layer to it, where it's like you know, is this happening? Is this like a dreamlike kind of thing or whatever? And and when I finished the book, I was like, how could you make this into a movie and capture that atmosphere? And at certain points in the movie, I feel like they were nailing it. Yeah. And yeah. other points in the movie, I'm like, uh, I, I think I think we're sort of lifting up out of that, and, and it's maybe it's a little too tangible. Like we stretched something. it too far. Or yeah, something like yeah. And, and and so it was just interesting to watch that balancing act all throughout. Yeah. Well, the other part of that of the of that machine conversation was <laughs> was it that <laughs> she was it that she wanted to amputate his arms and legs? Yes. And, have and sex just with use him for sex yeah. and and let like all her Our friends, friends use him for sex. Yeah. Which didn't sound so bad. Go ahead. Yeah. I think we should dive in and talk about the end. Mm. Let's do it. Okay. Let's get so, in after the the romp that they have for a couple of days, you know, I think it's it's rebuilding them on an emotional kind of like high point. They're in a good place yeah. as a couple. Yeah. For the first time since we've seen them. Yeah. And then they go out on a boat tour, and they get off the boat and they're walking around, and that's when they see and basically hear Mary. I mean, Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. Robert's wife. Basically yelling from across the canal from their yeah. apartment. Hey, Mary, come on, right. come over, come over. You know, and yeah, absolutely could have come up with a thousand. Re- I mean, don't even come up with a reason. Just say, hey, I can't, you can't hear you. Yeah, right. I'm, we're not going back in that right. apartment. Gotta catch a plane. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And that's the hardest. The hardest moment for me to believe in the entire movie was them going back into that apartment. Yes. Robert arrives. Robert basically takes. Rupert Everett to go to the bar, correct? Yes. Leaving uh, Natasha Richardson and Helen Mirren, who then, Helen Mirren, who has noted back problems prior to this, then explains basically that when she and, and Christopher Walken make love, he beats the shit out of her, sort yeah. of. Yeah. But, and she, but to the point where she started to like it. Yeah. So that's bad. They're make, she's making Natasha some tea, putting... Sugar in it. Oh, no, it's just lemon. It's just lemon. She's stirring it. Which, I, I read a review and was like, when's the last time you've seen somebody, like, poison someone's tea in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But she drugs Natasha Richardson. Yeah. yeah. She's getting very sleepy. She's barely conscious. Takes her into a room where they've got dozens of photographs of Rupert Everett on the wall. Mm. At this point, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to bring Rupert Everett back from the bar and screw his brains out right. in front of her. And they just basically are in... They're both Christopher Walken and Natasha. I mean, Helen Mirren want to have sex with the guy. They don't care about his her, wife. Yeah, right. yeah. But they want her to be present right. and watch. Um, that's not what happens. No. <laughs> no. No, it isn't. <laughs> not at all. So I'm going to pass the mic to you. So now, Walken has, has walked Colin across Venice again to the bar. Yes. On the, on the way there, he talks to some people in Italian. And at some point he says to Colin, uh, do you know what I told them? He says, no. He says, I told them that you're my lover. And that my wife is jealous. Right. And, yes. and, 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 and yet again, I'm in this place where I'm just like, run screaming <laughs> yes. back oh, to yes. the apartment. I thought he was going to get killed on that. Like, cause there's all those guys those start guys. kind of bunching yeah. around him. Yeah. And he even says like, one of those guys like pinched me back there. But yeah, so, so Helen Mirren shows her this room. Natasha Richardson has already seen pictures of Rupert yes, they in their know. apartment before now. Yes. All the more reason not to go. Yet again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so then now Helen Mirren takes her in this room 
that's just uh, every serial killer's room that you've ever seen sure. in any movie which is like pasted with Rupert Everett's uh, face and the, the poison is, starts taking effect which basically sort of paralyzes her so now she's in a catatonic state Robert and, and what's Rupert. his face uh, Rupert come back and Rupert is understandably upset about the fact that his wife seems to be very, very sick Robert and Helen Mirren are saying, oh, everything's fine, so you know, like, he's so, sunstroke, some shit's about right? to hit. Yeah, yeah sunstroke. sunstroke. Yeah. yeah, but she's not, she's not warm. But she's not, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so, and he's, you know, call a, call an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cold stroke. Lukewarm. Uh, Ice cream headache, very bad. Yeah. So Rupert, <laughs> so Rupert, who <laughs> is a fairly <laughs> strong looking man, yeah. younger than either one of these two oldsters. Mm. By a handful of years. Again, I don't understand why the ending goes this way. But uh, Walken grabs him by the throat and pushes him up against the wall. And Mirren's like grabbing his junk or something. And I don't remember every every single uh, beat here. I know she kisses him. Right. Yeah. And then I know he basically has that moment. Do whatever you want. Don't hurt my wife. Take her to the doctor. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Do whatever you want. Don't, don't. Like there, there's that moment where he, it's like he sort of gives up. You see yes. like this thing where it's just like, ugh. He's not going to win the situation. Right. The important thing is take care of your wife. I don't know why he can't win the situation. There's no weapons involved yet. You can start kicking people in the nuts right now. Yeah. You might do all right. Anyway. He's British. They don't fight back. You're right. You're right. He's just polite. He's too polite. And so Walken <laughs> pulls out a straight razor, slits his throat, while Natasha Richardson in, in, in a coma, you know, like in her catatonic state, watches him just yeah. slide down the wall and bleed out. Yeah. And then Robert and, and the woman kiss each other it's very uh um, that's gonna be awesome you know right very after passionate just oh, they're going right at it stuff is gonna get right very steamy yeah. yeah then then cut to what next day we're in the police station yeah well i want to i want to okay. push pause for one second pause because I, I wrote down the line and maybe it's in the book but i think when rupert says just you know he says what do you want or something to that effect but i know i wrote down what walken said and he says we'll show you what we want and then cuts him and I still, up to the point of slicing the throat, thought, yeah, okay, he's just going to hold the razor up and threaten him, and then they're going to have their way with him. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then, yeah, but no, then the minute yeah. he kills him, I'm like, I, what does that do? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, Why didn't you just do this early? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if there is that sexual gratification that they got from the death that maybe happens, and we're just not privy to that. Right. Possibly. But, 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 th- but then how is that set up? Don't don't know. Uh, besides, maybe the paintings at the beginning. Like and that's why the thing. I was trying to go back to like these operatic sort of yeah, super dramatic. Yeah. But they're still they weren't they didn't seem terribly violent. But or no. maybe I just couldn't see them. I don't know very clearly. I, and I, then I why not kill the woman? Yeah, because for all we know, she watched the whole thing happen. She watched the whole thing drugged, and she's still alive. Got to the point where she was then physically able to you know yeah. move around and be herself again and leave and go to the police. Right. Yeah. Like, she's she's able to do that. And that's we, a very weird thing. Because we end in the police station, and I wrote this line down. Because, yeah, please do. Because, again, if, if we're talking about a dream state, if we're talking about being unbelievable and not, not really hewing to reality in some way, a cop saying to her, why did you come to Venice? What were you looking for? Yeah. Who the hell would ask a question like, what were you looking for? Yeah. Were you looking for love? Like, <laughs> right. what? I mean, wh- why, why do you come to Venice I, is good enough. Yeah, I thought, okay, they're just doing the standard thing where your husband got killed by these people. You were clearly in the room. Like, yeah, yeah like, why are you did all Did you right? actually, were you involved in this to some right. degree? Right. 
But the bigger thing that was weird to me was I thought, okay, she clearly went to the cops. They're questioning her. They got to do that. We're never going to hear or see from Robert and Helen Mirren again. But oh, no, no, they're there. Yeah. <laughs> like that, they're in custody. That was what was very surprising to me. I, I thought, like, the, the way that you do this movie is these dreamlike people in this dreamlike, you know, world. They float away and evaporate. It just yes, they yeah. evaporate and they go somewhere else. They're like vampires. They yeah. come up somewhere else because like, they're ready to go. Right, like they're all packed up. They're leaving exactly, yes. so they can kill all him and disappear. To that. But then yeah. when they show up in the police station, like a couple of mooks, just like right, yeah. you, you bring them up there and you ask them <laughs> questions, and you're like, wait a second. I thought these were like really creepy weirdo. Like, how did they get caught? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Did they, they just, just turn like, themselves in. They just like walked into the police station. So yeah. I am. Like or, or, that, or, I don't understand. That. Are they going to get away with it? Are they not? And which one even makes any sense? And the best part is that then Christopher Walken gets to start telling the story <laughs> about his father again and the mustache and which, the word mascara, which totally makes him psychotic. Yes, like like, like you know before it was like okay, this is just a manifestation of like their sexual weirdness. Yeah. But that last scene just says no. He's just he's just out of his mind. Out of his mind. Yeah. Just completely out of his mind. Well, and and honestly, I, I took that last bit as. As just, you know, earlier in the movie he tells that story and it's like he's sort of casting a spell maybe. Yeah. Like, and they're just going to go mean, along with stuff. It means something, right? right like right. he's telling that because it's part of his whole like, you know, I'm a guy, exactly. you know me, now you can feel like you know me kind of a thing. And and, and like and that, that's kind of what I was trying to get to at the end, just in my own head, was basically like, if they listen to him talk long enough, yeah. they'll just, they, he can hit him in the stomach. He can, you know, he can whip out his junk anytime. <laughs> They're gonna just keep coming back, and, and and so I took that at the end as, oh well, he's gonna he's gonna talk to the police, yeah. and then they're just gonna, okay, you're free to go, right? And you know, and that's how they get away with it or something. But I mean, it, it I seems mean, like a long way to go to get away with something. I would have, I would have even preferred something like he's there and he's, you know. Back slapping these guys, they all know him, right. and it's like you know, this is all we get it, and that's we it. know yeah. how you it is. hate just, Italians, you guys. Let's take okay. off, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Something yeah. like that, where right, it's right. just like corrupt or something. But, how did the book end? Uh, the book ended uh, where there was ambiguity. It's but like, he does. Could die, you read us correct? the last paragraph? Um, was that? <laughs> could you read us the last? We paragraph? might get sued. Let's stop. Oh yeah, no, let's not do that. So so uh, what happens is that as soon as Rupert Everett is, is murdered, and he is, but he's, he's murdered uh, on the wrist. Like okay. slicing. And yeah. the, last, the last line that, that Robert, is more cinematic. Robert yeah. says to him is, like, see how easy it is, mm. and right. just slices. And, and all up to that point, you feel like there's this sort of death wish, this sort of, on Colin's part, where it's like this sort of, like, yeah, this has to happen, I need this to happen. Um, and then, so after, after he's, he's murdered, um, I think they're moved out to the courtyard. Um, and that's where they're found, and that's that's where you know all the police stuff sort of comes into play. But um, and I think what the the reason that Christopher Walken and Helen Mirren are appearing in the interrogation room is because there is some ambiguity in the end of the book about that. The policeman says this is something that happens a lot around here. You know, you have the people they you know they they get the drugs, they photograph you. They empty their apartment. They get you know, all the and it's like, whoa, this is bizarre. This can't possibly. But you know, again, it's like this kind of dreamlike thing, and 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 part of it seems like getting caught is as much a part of the the the, the fun of it as the crime. And sure, like, are they caught? But they don't make any mentions like, oh, they're you know, we've got them upstairs or something like that. Yeah. So I I think then you know, Pinter and Schrader, they were just like, well, let's just let's have him be caught. He sort of alludes to the fact that that they might have been. 
and that's part of their modus operandi. So right, right. let's let's bring him in. But I, I for myself, I, I think that was the wrong call. I, I, I think that you just they just become wisps in the wind. Right. Yeah. And, and like it should have just away. been her at the end with the police just trying to like yeah. make sense of what the hell just yeah. happened. Right, right. Like vacation. Venice happened to you, this worst city in the world yeah. happened to you. Like oh. no, just like have Ian McEwen like twist the shit one last time, you know? But <laughs> you got Venice, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, I thought of another movie that we talked about on this podcast, which was Two Faces of January, Mm -hmm. and the Patricia Highsmith Mm -hmm. kind of model, which then made me also think of uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, which I think was only a few years behind this as far as coming out, and like, it's been so long since I've seen that movie, but you know, from what I remember, and definitely from Two Faces of January, you get that sort of like Westerner in, in a foreign place that bad things happen. Yeah. But there's definitely more closure. I mean, for sure. And, yeah, like, the yeah, bad yeah. guy kind of loses in right, the right. of January. And I think in Talented Mr. Ripley as well. And so I wonder, like, you're trying to, like, make sense, of, like we do, about why these movies kind of, like, don't get the recognition or just the awareness yeah. factor, specifically when there's this level of talent involved. Right. Yeah. I looked, it seemed like the critical reaction was kind of mixed kind of okay it yeah. was at the con film festival but beyond that i mean it clearly has not had yeah. much of a life and no. like even just as a McEwen piece i would expect it to be more recognized so i i don't know i mean like the only sense i can kind of make out of that is that yeah it doesn't leave you in a place where you <laughs> kind of have that even like f- that fulfilled sense of understanding yeah, a completed story even a bad situation like you know it's not like it needs a happy ending but you know like you're talking about like hey, having the bad guys get away with it right like, you still sort of can take away the lesson from that yeah yeah and this one is hard to do that i think right. i think it really kind of is agreed even to say that like yeah italy is a bad place like <laughs> right if that was what he was going from the book like <laughs> I don't know how well that played out in the movie. Like, I still felt like, oh, dude, I want to, I totally want to go there. Like, it looks like well, yeah. Really in, nice. in the movie, it it certainly feels so much more about this couple, yes, than about Venice to me, yeah. for sure. Because like, like that couple could be anywhere. I didn't think, and even yeah. until I read your post, Brian, like that had not occurred to me that this was some sort of like outstanding critique yeah. of a location, uh, right? Um, yeah. But it did seem awful to me in the movie, like the city. Really? Yeah, it did. I mean, it was like uh, well, it was so barren. It was so yes. it was so desolate, and and they couldn't they couldn't get food at that bar. Yeah. Like in the book, it's described as it was wine and well fingered breadsticks. Yeah. So yeah. these these are stuff that had just been sitting out. That was all they had. Yeah. And then and then they go out to that courtyard and they're trying to get a drink of water because like her lips are swelling. It's like she's in she's in a dire need. And the waiter and, won't. And they can't do it. Yeah. Like if you read that passage in here, you're just like this guy has got a axe to grind against yeah. Venice. Like he, he hated like, it. Yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like he's recounting his own talking about how crowded it is. There's, oh, no, so there's no tables. It's like, you know, this elderly couple is, is writhing in their seats with the bill and the waiters are ignoring them. They're all like huddled in the shade over here. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just yeah. making you so angry to read it. And you're like, okay, I get why you wrote this whole book. Yeah. I wonder, has he written anything that's set in Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a Gatlinburg Nights. We should have said that up front. Like, this is the first episode we recorded that Craig and I are physically in the same room. Yes, which is yeah, nice. It is. But if it does sound, if it sounds a little different, that's why we're recording this live, which is yeah, just fine. In a log cabin in the Tennessee Smokies. Yeah. A <laughs> um, couple other little things that I saw. Uh, one of my ask you guys this question. If you saw my notes, you probably know the yeah, answer too. Yeah, I've been reading. Too. Okay, Brian, 
How many times has Paul Schrader been nominated for an Academy Award? Uh, I want to say zero times. You're absolutely right. Okay, and I, I, I right would, here, dude. I would say, for the most part, uh, that's earned. I would I disagree. Don't, I, I don't. I don't have. I Taxi Bull and Raging. I mean, Taxi, <laughs> Taxi, Taxi Bull, Bull and Raging yes. Driver. I love those movies. <laughs> those two combine them into one movie. He should, yeah. No. Yes. But yeah. How do you not get nominated for? You, you get. You get nominated for best screenplay. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he should have. But yeah. but over the course, he he, he kind of shifted more for towards sure. directing. Yes. And and to my mind, his movies are uh, challenging. A little yes. in, a affliction. Little, a little best nomin- adapted material. He didn't get a nomination for yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know that he did the adaptation, but we'll just assume he did. I, I didn't see affliction, but yeah, Schrader has always struck me as someone who, like, he really goes hard after what he's going after. Right. And, but but and I'm very to, seldom do I feel Temptation of Christ. You don't get a nomination for best adapted for that. White Sleeper's supposed to be good. I Come on, like, yeah. I, I don't he'll know. Get, he'll get an Irving G. Holzberg Award or something. I don't know. Well, people Thalberg. just like is, is there like a, a an axe to grind against him Hollywood Maybe. wise? Like, did he just badmouth enough people? Or Not something? that I know. All I know is that that one of his more recent movies was the one that he essentially self financed. Uh, the Canyons. The Canyons with Lindsay yes. Lohan and and, and the, uh, the the porn actor, star guy. The porn star guy. Yeah. Um, like so. we don't know his name. <laughs> Craig Morgan. His name is Craig Morgan. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But but I mean, yeah. When you actually read his filmography, I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, one of those should have netted him at least. Uh, you know, he, he yeah. was, was he nominated or not? Not not an award. Just just he just never won or not even a straight up nomination from okay. the Oscars. That seems That's, really bizarre. That seems yeah. wrong. That does seem wrong. So it looks like he's got a movie, and this this could be amazing um, coming out this year called Dog Eat Dog, or at least it came out in May in France, and all I need to know is it stars Nicolas Cage and Willem Dafoe, so oh, that's like my gosh. two oh. titans of insanity you right there. You throw Christopher Walken in there, holy cow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they should, should yeah. Uh, okay, so let, let's do last takeaways from Comfort Strangers. I would, I would say, I think this is a totally watchable movie. I think people should see this movie. I, I think um, there's enough to appreciate if you're a Walken fan at all. Mm. Uh, cinematography wise it's really cool I, I don't know much of Natasha Richardson's work and obviously it's very sad that she died when she did and how yeah. she did I thought she was pretty good I, I didn't mind her in this I, I don't think anything that she did as an actress was, was necessarily bad the character itself was you know like we were saying a little little interesting yeah. uh, moments and yeah. that's more of the writing so I don't know what do you think Again, it, it, it came off so unbelievable to me, and I think I, I was stuck in a, I was stuck in a rut about making it, you know, that yeah. it had to be some kind of the reactions needed to be a little more, uh, make more sense or something. Throughout the whole thing, I just felt like there was a piece that was missing for me that either I didn't catch or wasn't there. But yeah, again, there's plenty of good stuff to watch. It's not a boring thing to watch at all if you're looking to complete your. Straighter filmography or your walking fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah hour I mean, forty-five, I think. Shouldn't yeah. stay away yeah. from it. Yeah, Just uh-huh. Brian and as an adaptation. Yeah, so when I when, after I first finished it, I was like terrible. The but book it, or the movie? The movie. Okay. The the, the, the <laughs> movie. The book I love. Like it's one of my oh, like, wow, favorite okay. favorite movies, uh, yes. novels. And then, uh, <coughs> but then as I started thinking more about the movie. I was like, you know what? I actually like that movie. Like the more I thought about it, the more like yeah. you know, it, it was, there was something precise about it, sort of imprecision, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the the atmosphere that he was able to create was, I think, a real heavy lift, and he was able to do it in a lot of cases. So I would definitely say, especially with the talent involved, and and uh, I, I don't know the the focus of the film, I, I would say that yeah, it's, it's a recommend. I think people should see it if for nothing else other than. 
see Christopher Walk at the peak of his walkingness. I mean, that's just like that's that's peak Christopher Walk. He is, yeah. and like I mean, it's funny too if you're at all familiar with that SNL character that he does, where he's like you know the, <laughs> yes. the very aggressive bachelor trying to get the people into his room to have some champagne. Yes. Um, yeah, I think you'll definitely think of that character. Oh yes, there this. there are a couple of times. Yeah, this is an aside, but uh, did you guys catch the Godfather theme yes. appearing throughout? I, and that was very distracting to me. I did not. I yes, in that specifically in the opening scene where you're just getting opening credits and the cameras move around, I thought of that score because my knowledge of Bad Lamenti, the actual musical theme. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought. I just when I think of that guy, I think of Twin Peaks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like all that airy sort of like keyboard stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard this, like, oh, this is like really heavy score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and definitely I thought of Godfather. Yeah, there's just like yeah. there's like three or four notes in a row, and it's just like, oh, that's very iconic, uh, Godfather. <laughs> and I'm like, that's sort of weird, whatever. And then would just they would appear like you know, three or four times well, throughout the movie. You know, <laughs> bonus set, bonus set. Yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, I was wondering, Brian, if we could talk briefly about your career as a storyboard artist. Mm. Oh, sure. Because I think some people might find that interesting. Oh. I know that you did the uh, storyboards for, I think it was an independent comedy yes. called Barstow 2008. That's right, I did. And yes. that movie came out early 2000s? Uh, yeah, I guess it must have, yeah. Um, yeah, mid 2004, 2005. And have you seen this? I did, I did watch okay. it. I went to a screening of, at the Century City Place or wherever, wherever it is, the Sunset something that sure. they show they all the like movies that wall. people make yeah. and all okay. that. So I, I saw it there, and it was, I thought it was pretty good. So maybe that would be did a they good follow, one for us to do. Did they follow your storyboards closely? I, I felt that there were a number of instances where they, they did, but I, I think <clears> it was it was more in the vein of kind of a Christopher Guest movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's you know, interesting, the storyboard. Then. Right, yeah. right. And, yeah. and I, I think the way that the setup was was that he was set up at a production house, and they had me, like, for essentially half price, you know, just, you know super cheap 22, 23-year-old storyboards. <sighs> they throw them at him. He'll, Those he'll were the, the whole days. Thing. Yeah. So I, I, I did that, but I, I think it's so it kind of veered away from the storyboard, so it wasn't yeah. Hitchcockian at all. And that movie was about an Olympic bid to have the Summer Olympics in Barstow in yes. 2008? Yes, yeah, it's a, it a funny premise. Yeah. And I think it was a F. Paul Wilson, who was sort of a regular, a semi-regular on Cheers. Yeah. He was the lead as this guy who was going to be the guy that brought the Olympics to Barstow. And, you know, it was kind of funny because it's like they're, they're thinking of all the places to do the venues and, and, and throughout it's like a docu, you know. yeah comedy documentary or whatever and so you had people always running in saying you know you know where the bathrooms are at because like that's the famous thing about Barso, i guess according to this the director anyway people just stop no, it's, 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 it's just a, it's just a place to go to the bathroom on your way to las vegas uh, and vice yeah. versa so it's like the halfway mark or something now would you be willing to tell the story about when you got roped into actually driving a vehicle for a <laughs> oh, shot sure, on yeah. camera yeah that was for that was for a, a a movie called american gun oh this is a different movie okay, different movie yeah, and yeah. you did storyboards for that as well i i okay. did uh, and they were even more rudimentary than than my Barstow 2008 storyboards. So that uh, was that shot in Vermont. Sure. And Marsha uh, Gay Harden, Forrest Whitaker. That's a good wow, cast. Yeah, yeah. No, that's actually a different one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I, I saw that one come out. I was like, that's just like the one. This is the one with James Coburn and oh, Virginia Madsen. Okay. Oh yeah, that's good. Still too. on board. Yeah. So in in about, uh, I think six years, there's going to be another American Gun with another you know really solid cast, and then they'll just edit them all together. That's yeah. In any event, so. Um, there was the the James Coburn one. Okay, and, 2002, and, folks. Yeah, 2002. Okay. Um, so it was a pretty low budget affair, and uh, they uh, they needed a shot where 
I guess James Coburn's character was just driving from here to there. Yeah. But James Coburn wasn't on set yet, and they just wanted to get yeah, it done. Yeah. And it was, it was like a fairly, you know, skeleton crew in the pre-production part. And I was one of them. And they're like, hey, Brian, do you want to be a stunt driver? I'm like, what? And it's like, we just need you to drive on camera and just going under a, a freeway overpass. You know, we'll, we'll be on the bridge and filming down. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so I'll just be in the back. I'll just tell you when to go and all that. That was the director, yeah. Alan Jacobs, really nice guy. And so as we're preparing to do it, they say, we're going to have to black out your face. And I'm like, what? And so we're just because we we're gonna see the camera, we don't wanna see the contours of your face. We don't want to just be completely neutral. Right. So so I'm like, okay. And so here they go and then they black my face out like this. And I'm I'm suddenly uh, in blackface driving yeah. Yeah, in, that's... in on the interstate system in, in Vermont. And uh, I'm just like, Holy cow, no one pulls Pretty me white over. State. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. white state. <laughs> and then uh, sure enough I'm in the car, they say, Okay, go and I go, I'm like, I'm going to do it, 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 I'm going it, but yeah. I, did, I didn't get a stunt driver credit. Ah, boo. Yeah. I, that's that's my whole story in Hollywood. Awesome. I, I never got the credit. I thought. I was yeah. Gonna get it. yeah. Directors don't. <laughs> hey man, make, that's everybody's yeah. story, bro. All right. Don't make your storyboard artists uh, wear shoe polish on their face. No. This is a bad yeah. move. <laughs> uh, last question about this. Um, I saw recently Werner Herzog said something about like storyboards being, um, yeah, a tool of c cowards. Yes. Basically. I saw that. Any any thoughts on that? Um, I get it. I, I think most. Most directors, if they're smart, are somewhat cowards. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot of money involved, and not everyone is, you know, Kubrick or Werner Herzog who can afford to be in a scene and see how it's playing. And it's like, because I, I, I think Kubrick said something very similar. It's like, you know, how can you storyboard something until you're on set and you know what's really happening and what you're really getting at? And it's like, you know, in a perfect world, if everyone can shoot that way, then then yeah. yeah. But for everybody else who's got to do, you know, 18 setups a day, storyboards are brilliant. And yeah. Hitchcock used them brilliantly. Everyone's sure. still watching his movies. Um, so I, I, th I think if you can get away with not doing them and it works out for you, you know, great. But I think for everybody else, I think a, a tightly storyboarded movie that you adhere to actually really stands out. It's going to help you. And, yeah. Well, and now they do all the, the previous stuff, which is where they oh. render things on the computer yeah. for a lot of these big action shots in these big movies so it's just even like a step beyond yeah it is storyboards. it's essentially like you know animating your storyboards to to almost a professional degree yeah no. indeed so, so all that's, that's great. the next step for you yeah maybe that's... Barstow 2020 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and then American Gun Part 3 <laughs> oh that's great 2021 yeah that's gonna yeah. be great I think this has been fun. I don't know that I have anything else. I think we could wrap it up there. I think we can. I think we've covered the entire subject very deeply. Yes. Yes. Thank you for your expertise and the good suggestion. You're welcome. Yes, Brian. I'm glad I was able to get this movie into you guys and, and for you guys to help me locate this movie so I could see it. It's purely selfish. Well, that's, that's, fair that's, enough. I was happy to that's use you guys here for, for this purpose. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. As always, you can find us online at neverheardpodcast.com. That has links to everything else you need to find. And then I think we're back next time in our full episode with another special one. Yes. We've got some ladies who are going to talk about the Wachowskis movie. Bound. Bound. That's right. Some people that have never heard of the movie Bound. Um, <laughs> and are going to have an interesting perspective on it. Uh, yes, yeah, it's going to be after, a good show. Or 20 years after that movie was made, I think, now. Yeah. So look forward to that dropping very soon. We will drop it like it's hot. Yeah. And keep making suggestions and keep scratching yourselves. To the stars. <laughs> <laughs> this has yeah. been great, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Ciao. Mascara.